Welcome to the week six recap of the 49 Away podcast. As always, don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone had a great weekend as it was another eventful week in the National Football League. And we will recap it all on this week's episode. And of course, the real 49ers finally showed up on primetime and we'll recap and talk about their big win over the LA Rams. And how about we start today's episode with this fun fact. Jimmy Garoppolo, 4-0 against Sean McVay and the Rams since becoming the 49ers starting quarterback in 2017. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Put some respect on my guy. Anyways, let's get right into it, shall we? The 49ers defeated the LA Rams on Sunday Night Football 24-16 in a really just a big, big time response from this football team after getting absolutely killed at home a week ago to the Dolphins. A huge response to beat the 4-1 Rams at home. They needed that win, the first home win of the season and their first divisional win of the season, which makes it a lot bigger. And hopefully if the Niners are in the thick of things by December, this game will come into play later on because I guarantee you the Rams will be in the wildcard race later on. But the Niners did a heck of a job and Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala had brilliant game plans in this game. And really from coaching to offense, defense, special teams, it was just a great team win overall. And I think so far when you look at the San Francisco 49ers sitting at 3-3, three and three, somehow still at the bottom of the NFC West, which just goes to show you how stacked this division is. The good news is the Seahawks play the Cardinals on sun- this coming Sunday. They play the Rams in a few weeks. The Rams are going to end up playing the Cardinals twice. We play Seattle in a week or so. So the NFC West, you know, people are going to start playing, teams are going to start playing each other, and someone's going to lose, so something's got to give at some point. But back to the 49ers, obviously they're 3-3, three and three. things have not gone to plan so far this season, injuries have killed this team, we all know that. But I just want to take a minute to kind of admire the job that Kyle Shanahan has done, and the job that this 49ers football team is. If we were to have this conversation before the season started and says, after the first six weeks, the Niners are going to be a 500 football team, a lot of us would probably raise our eyebrows and be like, what the hell? Really? No way. This team is so talented. They have an easy schedule. They haven't even hit the gauntlet of their schedule yet. And they're 3-3. Three three, no way. But if you were to tell me Nick Bosa was going to tear his ACL and be out for the year, Solomon Thomas, same thing. D Ford hasn't played since week one. Richard Sherman hasn't played since week one. Jimmy Garoppolo missed two and a half games. The Niners would have used all three of their quarterbacks, quarterbacks at some point in the first six games of the season. Mostert's been out. Coleman's been out. Wilson's been out. McKinnon has actually played every game. The O-line so far has been pretty good, although Garland has now missed two games. And he will now miss more games. And we'll talk about more of that as well. To say the least, everyone on this football team has been out at some point in time throughout this season. It has been ridiculous. The practice squad has got playing time. The third strings have got playing time. And it's just, it, it's been wild. So if you were to tell me all of that nonsense would have happened to this football team. And they're sitting at 3-3. Three and three, I would have been like, wow. That's really impressive. 
So that's how I will start today's episode by giving appreciation and putting some respect on the 49ers coaching staff and Kyle Shanahan and the job that they've done. And Sunday night, it showed because it was a clinic and it felt a lot more like 2019. And I think the players enjoyed it and they feel a lot more confident, especially after how the last few weeks have went. The fans feel a lot more confident. I know that game made me feel really happy just to, not even that we just won the game, but to just see this team get back to their normal ways of playing real smash mouth in the trenches, 49ers football. And that's exactly what they did. So let's get right into it with with some team notes here. The Niners had more first down than the Rams with 24. Great job. The drives are very consistent. I didn't see Mitch Wisnowski too much until maybe this late in the second half. The Niners were 5 for 13 on third downs. Could be better, but overall, the drives were very consistent. But the Niners have had a problem on third downs for most of the year. And obviously, with some of these big games coming up, third downs will tend to be a much bigger problem going forward and the Niners are going to need to convert on third downs going forward they were one for one on fourth down which was the George Kittle touchdown which was just absolutely beautiful the Niners got back to their ways on the ground 122 rushing yards they ran a lot better with Raheem Mostert I feel like Mostert significantly helped the running game not even a little bit significantly helped the running game I think the offensive line of course was absolutely amazing playing the best football they've done all year but Raheem Mostert, when you give him the ball, I rarely see him have a carry where he gets stuffed for negative yards. He is always picking up positive yards. And that is the thing that you want when you have Raheem Mostert as your starting running back. And he puts the Niners in good positions. He puts us in, if you give him the ball on first and 10, he puts us in positions of second and five or third and three. Or he puts us in good positions. Unlike if we didn't have him, we'd be putting at maybe second and 11 or second and nine and then we're facing a third and nine like he puts us in good positions and having Raheem Mostert was huge unfortunately he hurt his ankle he left at halftime and apparently will go on injured reserve god forget about the injury bug just the high ankle sprain bug has just smoked a lot of our players and it's been very unfortunate because Raheem Mostert is a massive part of this football team but he will miss the next three football games unfortunately to the passing game 268 yards much better game for Jimmy Garoppolo but more importantly yeah Jimmy Garoppolo was very very good very effective you can tell his throws were a lot more sharp he felt more confident but hey you cannot say that Jimmy Garoppolo was amazing if it weren't for Kyle Shanahan in the offensive line Kyle Shanahan's game plan was marvelous and they executed it perfectly the offensive line kept Jimmy G as clean as possible with a hurt ankle this offensive line was like we've got you and that's exactly what they didn't do last week against Miami they threw him to the wolves this week with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers on that defensive line absolutely outstanding Aaron Donald half the time we were seeing him standing on the sidelines the Niners didn't give up a single sack that you do that against Aaron Donald that is that is some that is some great work fantastic work and the 49ers offensive line did a hell of a job Daniel Brunskill easily blessed best game of the season Garland was great for the time that he was in there Trent Williams was a lot better Lake and Tomlinson Mike McGlinchey the whole gang excellent excellent job keeping Jimmy Garoppolo upright and getting the run game going just a fantastic job overall 
They had 390 total yards. Good job. Very efficient on offense. To the defensive side, no, the defensive line didn't get Jared Goff at all. No sacks. But the pressure did affect the game. Javon Kinlaw got some pressures. Eric Armstead get some pressures. Obviously, we know without Nick Bosa and D Ford, this defensive line, and of course, DeForest Buckner, this defensive line just is not the same, right? We all knew that once Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas went down. We knew that. But they still affected the game, and I'll give them props for that. But this defense has got to be a little bit better, 100%. And especially knowing that we face Cam Newton and Russell Wilson in our next two weeks, and they both will run the football, Niners D-line's got to get better, 100%. How about the secondary? How about the secondary? After getting their asses kicked a week ago by Ryan Fitzpatrick, they really buckled down and getting Emmanuel Mosley back after missing the past few games with a concussion was huge. Emmanuel Mosley was amazing, but let's give my guy Jason Verrett some love. This is a guy that just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all for his entire career. He's gotten a lot of hype off of the field that he could be the next great corner when he was back with the Chargers a few years back, but injuries just kept killing him and kept keeping him off the football field. Now he's healthy, and my goodness, the game that he played Sunday night, that was something else. And when Richard Sherman comes back, and if he comes back healthy, him and Jason Verrett are going to be a problem. And just wait till next season when Nick Bosa comes back healthy, and if Verrett stays healthy, boy, this defense might just end up being to back what it was in 2019. Unfortunately, We'll have to wait a little bit longer for that to happen. But having said that, who said this defense can't get better this year? There's still a ton of football left. But Jason Verrett, absolutely outstanding game. That interception in the end zone was just awesome. A huge, a huge fourth down stop that was. Seven penalties, got to clean that up for sure. A few secondary issues. It is what it is. I know they'll get better with that. And last team note, time of possession. The 49ers controlled the clock. For 37 minutes. And how much time did the LA Rams have? 22 minutes. That's how you win football games. That is how you win football games. You're keeping Sean McVay and his talented, talented, super talented offense off the football field. You are doing a good job. If you are giving your defense, who's been bruised and battered all season so far, and you are giving them a lot of rest and keeping them on the bench... You are doing a good job. 37 minutes on the football field, controlling clock. Jimmy Garoppolo mentioned this after the game, post-game. That's 49ers football. And that's what they did last year. They controlled clock. They ate it up. Just a, and a hell of a team win for this, for this football team and really got back to their ways of 2019. To individual notes, I already mentioned Kyle Shanahan and his excellent play calling and his excellent game plan. I loved it. You put Jimmy Garoppolo in great positions, a lot of jet sweeps to Debo, a lot of screen passes to Ayuk and Kittle and Mostert. It was just, it was an excellent game plan and they went right to the ground game, not necessarily just running with Raheem Mostert, but with a ton of screen passes and a ton of jet sweeps. You're sticking to the 49ers strengths and that's what the 49ers do. They have so much talent on this offense. It's crazy. You got, when Mostert's healthy, you got him. You got McKinnon, Coleman, Debo, Ayuk, all of them. Speed, speed, speed. This Niners team can do so many different things behind the line of scrimmage without Jimmy Garoppolo even needing to do too much. And Kyle Shanahan showed that Sunday night 
brilliant game plan. Shanahan just goes to show why he's the best offensive play caller in the National Football League. And I think that was complete proof on Sunday Night Football that he is just that. Jimmy Garoppolo, huge response by him. Again, yeah, Jimmy G was sharp. He was good. But he got a lot of help from the team around him. Just proving that this isn't a one-man game. Football is an 11-person game. It is about a group, a team helping each other. The offensive line kept Garoppolo clean. Kyle Shanahan put Jimmy Garoppolo in good spots. 23 for 33, 268 yards, three touchdowns. And most importantly, zero interceptions. No turnovers. Last week, Jimmy G's deep ball was like a beach ball floating in the air. It was a joke. This week was the Jimmy Garoppolo that I know. Sharp passes, accurate passes. Kyle Shanahan's offense had Kittle and Debo wide open in so many different ways. Just an excellent job. And Jimmy Garoppolo proved the haters wrong once again. And here's a nice little fun stat. Jimmy Garoppolo may not be a Lamar Jackson, a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the savvy young mobile quarterback in Patrick Mahomes and yada yada and whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. I don't care if you throw for five yards. I don't care if you throw for 10 yards. I don't care about any of that. But if you don't turn the ball over and you win football games, I will take you any day of the week. Because as a San Francisco 49ers fan, we have had brutal quarterback play since Colin Kaepernick left the 49ers. Brutal. Hoyer, garbage. C.J. Beathard, very talented football player, could not win a game for the life of him. Nick Mullins, great football player, had trouble winning some games that was evident in week four against Philly. Jimmy Garoppolo had his worst game against Miami easily. Mind you, he was playing on a high ankle sprain. Came, comes out the next game and, and does what he does. Throws accurate passes. I don't care if more than half his passes were screen passes. I don't care. If you execute the game plan and you win the game, that's what we care about. Winning football games. And back to my fun fact that I haven't even mentioned yet. Jimmy Garoppolo has never lost two games in a row in his career. That is a starting quarterback with leadership. And that is why he is a starting quarterback of this football team. Because he wins football games. But that's enough for my Jimmy Garoppolo rant. But he has a lot to get to and he's got a huge game. It's a personal one on Sunday against the Patriots, his ex-team, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Raheem Mostert, I already mentioned, led the team in rushing for 65 yards on 17 touches. He left in the second half with an ankle injury. He will go on injured reserve. That one's tough, going to hurt. The Niners are going to have to make do with what they can. I trust this running game. Jermichael Hasty looked great. Nine rushes for 37 yards. I think if Shanahan gets him involved a little bit more, that'll be great. George Kittle, awesome game. Seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. And I love that Kyle Shanahan is getting George Kittle more involved in the passing game. And I think Kittle and Garoppolo, I know they have an amazing friendship and whatever. There was a lot of times that you look back at the film and the replays and the highlights. Jimmy G is missing Kittle wide open, including in the Super Bowl. There were many times where George Kittle is wide open. You All you got to do is hit him. You hit him, George Kittle is impossible to tackle in space. Impossible. Get him the football. Jimmy G did that. 
Kittle does his thing. Hell of a job there. You know who else is hard to catch when he's in or hard to tackle when he's in space? Debo Samuel. Six catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. Debo looks good. He looks like that foot injury is not bothering him at all. They were using him in the jet sweeps. And how about that game clinching run at the end of that game, bulldozing through two defenders? Debo Samuel's a dog, man. He is so good. And when he's in space, he is so hard to take down. Gotta love Debo Samuel. Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk got involved a little bit here and there. Ayuk had a touchdown. And on to the defense. Emmanuel Mosley, I already mentioned, was amazing in his return. Led the team in tackles, actually. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner were awesome again at linebacker. Jason Vred already gave him some love. He was spectacular. And overall, the defense was a lot better than they were a week ago. And in my opinion, week three, I won't really count it because the Giants just suck. But if you do it against a team like the Rams, who I mentioned are a very talented team, and Sean McVay is one of the best play callers in the game, and you put up 16 points and really didn't give up a touchdown until the fourth quarter, you're doing something right. And Robert Sala's guys showed up, and I give the credit to the Niners' defense. Heck of a job there. And lastly, the Niners showed why they are the defending NFC champs. People wrote us off when we got killed to Miami. I never rolled this team off. I know I was definitely pissed off, as I'm sure a lot of 49er fans were. But the season wasn't over. You know you know this team's going to respond. You know this team is healthy. You, you just knew they were. There was reason to be nervous. The Rams are playing good football. But the Niners came out and they showed why they are still the defending NFC champions. And people cannot disregard that even though it is a new season. The Niners are still the defending NFC champions until we are dethroned. That is 100%. On to the injury report. Raheem Mostert, I mentioned, will go on injured reserve with a high ankle sprain. His expected return should be around week 10 versus the Saints. Hopefully no setbacks there. Ben Garland will miss the next three weeks as well with a calf injury. So Hronis Grasu will be the center for the next few games until Weston Richburg can return. Of course, on to Weston Richburg. He was actually supposed to be back this week, but he suffered a setback and will be expected to return after our bye week in week 12 against the Rams. I hope this isn't an injury that keeps him out possibly for the entire season because that would just suck because I feel like Weston Richburg could really, really, really help this team. He was probably, if not one of our best offensive linemen before he got hurt last year. He was having an incredible season, and if he can come back healthy... That would be a massive boost to this to this team and in, in the running game too. But hopefully Weston Richburg's all right. He should return after the bye week if everything goes to plan. Jaquaski Tart hurt his groin. Don't know the status of that. Trent Williams apparently hurt his ankle. Don't know the status of that. I thought he had a head injury. He missed a few plays. He went off in the tent, but he came back in the game. So I'm not really sure what the situation is there. So the status of that, we'd probably know either tomorrow or Thursday. We'll see how that goes. Quan Alexander missed the game with an ankle injury. He will miss the next few games. Tevin Coleman expected back in against the Seattle game in a week. That will be big knowing Raheem Mostert is out. So looking ahead to week seven, the Niners three and three, they will take on the two and three New England Patriots for the first time since 2016. The Niners are playing the Patriots. Been a while. They only play every four years, but this one is a little more important than usual because... Jimmy Garoppolo makes his first return back to New England since the 2017 trade with the Patriots for the second round pick. It's going to be fun. I've been I've been looking forward to this game since the schedule came out. Jimmy G is going back to face Belichick. 
There's a lot of personal history in this game. Should have the Patriots kept Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo goes and ends up taking the Niners to the Super Bowl. There's a lot of history here. But the one thing that I'm looking forward to in this game is Bill Belichick's one of the best coaches of all time. Going up against Kyle Shanahan, arguably the best play caller in football right now. It's an excellent coaching matchup. And if you like a chess match, tune in 425 on Sunday for the Patriots-Niners game because it is going to be a chess match. I'm curious to see, how does Bill Belichick take away George Kittle? Because you know Belichick is famous at taking away star players of the team that he's facing. What's his game plan for Jimmy Garoppolo? He knows Jimmy Garoppolo very well. Jimmy Garoppolo knows Belichick very well. The Niners defense sucks against mobile quarterbacks. We're playing Cam Newton. Debo Samuel might match up against Stephon Gilmore. There is so many matchups in this game. And I just, I can't wait for this game. It's going to be an excellent game. I can't wait. I don't expect it to be a very exciting, entertaining, high scoring game. But if you like football and you like coaching matchups and you like chess matches, this is a game for you. Should be a good one. Both teams need a win badly. Niners are three and three. Patriots are two and three. It's a big one for the Niners. You want to go to four and three and having won two in a row going into Seattle. Seattle's unbeaten. We don't know if they will be unbeaten by the time we play them. They play the Cardinals on Sunday. Either way, it's a big changing game. You don't want to be three and four going to Seattle. You want to be four and three going to Seattle having won two in a row. So this is a big game to keep the momentum going, but Foxborough is always a tough place to play. The Patriots are struggling. Niners got to take advantage. Niners-Patriots Week 7. Can't wait for that one. Jimmy G makes his return to Foxborough. Can't wait for that one. Other Week 6 headlines around the NFL. The Chicago Bears stopped the red-hot Carolina Panthers with a 23-16 win. The Bears forced two interceptions on Teddy Bridgewater, who was red-hot before this game. And the Bears improved to a stunning 5-1 record with Nick Foles at the helm. Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't think anyone expected the Bears to be 5-1. The Panthers dropped to 3-3. But the Chicago Bears are in first place. Unbelievable stuff. But with that defense, Nick Foles does not have to do much. But great stuff from the Bears. They play the Rams on Monday Night Football next week. That should be a very interesting game. The Indianapolis Colts came back from 21 down to beat the Bengals 31 to 27 and improved to 4 and 2 on the year. Philip Rivers with a big day threw for 371 yards and three touchdowns. Colts rebound after a tough loss to Cleveland the week before. The Detroit Lions defeat the Jaguars and improved to 2 and 3. Big days from Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift. The Jaguars have now lost 5 straight after winning their opener. The Atlanta Falcons finally get their first win of the season just a week removed from cutting ties with Dan Quinn. This was a lot more of the Atlanta Falcons that I think everyone knows what the Falcons can be. Scoring 40 points, Matt Ryan throwing four touchdowns, Julio Jones going off for 137 yards and two touchdowns. That's the Atlanta Falcons that we know. I just don't know why it took them so long to get going. And it was the same thing last year. It just it took them a while to get going. But hey, I'm happy for the Falcons. They're a good football team. I don't know what the future is for guys like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, but I'm glad they went out there and balled out for their fans and got a win. On the other hand, the Minnesota Vikings don't look very good. They struggled mightily again, dropping to a concerning 1-5 record. Kirk Cousins turned the ball over three times. I don't know what is going on with the Minnesota Vikings, but it is some tough stuff over there. On a bright note, Justin Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver for the Vikings, went for 166 yards. He has been a pleasant surprise for the Vikings, but 
one and five after making the playoffs last year. Ouch. The New York Giants won their first game of the season under Joe Judge, moving to one game behind first place. Yeah, the fact that I just said that is, I I don't know what else to say. The Giants are one and five, not five and one. One and five, and they're one game behind first place. They beat Washington and handed Washington their fifth straight loss with a 20 to 19 win. The NFC East, man, this this is the NFC East in 2020. You're one and five, and you're right in the thick of the playoff race. I have, I, I don't, I literally have no words to explain for that. But the NFC East is just ridiculous. The Baltimore Ravens took care of the Philadelphia Eagles, thirty to twenty-eight. Lamar Jackson finally got back into things on the on the ground game and through the air. He ran for hundred yards, and for the Eagles, another tough day at the office as they lost Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders to injuries. Just a brutally start for the Philadelphia Eagles, and really the injuries have just been absolutely horrific for them. The Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely dominated and humbled the Cleveland Browns, thirty-eight to seven, improving to five and zero. This Steelers D is for real. They are for real. They did lose Devin Bush to a season-ending injury, unfortunately, but that Steelers defense is no joke. And the Cleveland Browns received a reality check after winning four straight and four and one and everyone in last week. I was even saying Kevin Stefanski might have solved the Cleveland Browns, a, a code no one has been able to solve for the past few years, past few years, the past two decades, my bad, but apparently not. Kevin Stefanski still has work to do, and so do the Cleveland Browns. They dropped to 4-2 and two after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Tennessee Titans go to 5-0 with a wild win against the Houston Texans, probably the game of the week. In overtime, 42-36, Ryan Tannehill was sensational in the, on that last drive, putting together a game-tying drive and scoring with four seconds remaining in the game. Derrick Henry, good lord, this guy is just a beast. Ran for over 200 yards and two touchdowns and ripped off a 94-yard touchdown in that second half. Tennessee is honestly probably one of the most surprising teams. I didn't think they were going to be this good. They are this good. And they are really taking the momentum they had from last year's playoffs. Tannehill looks good. Henry looks good. This defense looks good. Titans have a big one. Undefeated versus undefeated next Sunday. Steelers and Titans. Whew. That's going to be a good one. Unfortunately for the Texans, things aren't so good, and they dropped to 1-5 despite Deshaun Watson's big day. The Denver Broncos shocked the New England Patriots in Foxborough 18-12. Probably the biggest win for Vic Fangio as the head coach at Denver. The Broncos' defense looked really good. They took care of business against a very, very banged-up Patriots O-line, and the Patriots are below 500 for the first time since 2002. Think how times have changed for the New England Patriots, but you can't blame them. You know, the O-line is just a mess. If they had a healthy O-line, I don't think they would have lost that, lost that game. The defense has some injuries too. It is what it is. I don't blame the Patriots entirely for that, but that is definitely tough and embarrassing. You should not lose to the Denver Broncos at home, especially when you're the New England Patriots, whether you have Tom Brady or not. I don't really care. They should have won that football game. The Miami Dolphins win their second straight with a win over the hopeless New York Jets, 24 to nothing. Very impressive win. Tua Tagovailoa got his first few minutes of NFL action late in that game. And all of a sudden, he's been named the starter going forward. I don't talk much about the Dolphins. I have no reason to other than last week. 
But I don't know about this decision. Ryan Fitzpatrick is balling for you right now. You're three and three. Buffalo's lost two in a row. The Patriots don't look very good. The Jets are a joke. The Dolphins have won two straight. Why not just keep Ryan Fitzpatrick in and let Tua sit for a little bit and try and keep this thing rolling? If Fitzpatrick struggles, then go ahead. Put Tua in. But you are right there. A game out of first place. You've won two in a row. Momentum's with you. Fitz is balling. I don't know about this move by Brian Flores. I really don't. Unless Tua comes out and just completely balls out and plays rookie of the year kind of football, then hey, then by all means, play Tua. I mean, this is the potential that the Dolphins want him to be. So we'll see what happens. But I don't know about that decision. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely dismantled the Green Bay Packers who were undefeated before that game, handing the Packers their first L of the season. Aaron Rodgers did not throw an interception before this game. He threw two on back-to-back drives in this one. The Bucks defense dominated throughout the entire game. Brady and Gronk looked good, and the Bucks got back to their winning ways and really a wake-up call for the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur, who were looking really good before that game and now did not look very good coming off a of bye week. Kansas City handed Buffalo their second straight loss, of really a reality check for the Bills after an impressive 4-0 start. The Chiefs looked really good again and improved to 5-1. And, and then last night, the Arizona Cardinals blew the doors off of the Dallas Cowboys 38-10. The Cardinals took care of business against a very, very banged-up Cowboys team. Some players came out today and said, Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff have no idea what they're doing. That's tough. I thought when Mike McCarthy got hired, this was really going to change things for Dallas. Having said that, They've had a ton of bad injury luck. You can't blame him. You can't blame Andy Dalton for that performance last night. You have literally four out of five starters that are backups. And, you know, you just, you can't expect to win. And then when you have Ezekiel Elliott dropping fumbles left, right, and center in your own territory, and that leads to 14 points, that's not going to help you win football games. So it's it's definitely not Andy Dalton's fault. It's just really just tough luck in, in Dallas. Really tough stuff there. The Cardinals... I still don't think they're that amazing. They beat a team they're supposed to beat, but I have no idea. But here's this for something. At least maybe this is a positive note for Dallas Cowboys fans waking up on this Tuesday. The Dallas Cowboys are still in first place in the NFC East. Even after that catastrophe of a game on Monday Night Football. They're 2-4 and four and in first place. The Red oh, Washington football team excuse me, are one game out of first place. They play the Dallas Cowboys next week. Who would have thought the 2-4 and four Cowboys are playing the 1-5 Washington football team for first place in the NFC East? Goodness gracious me. On to week seven, headline games. And no, Dallas and Washington is not one of the headline games. But I'll tell you what is. Two undefeated teams playing each other. Pittsburgh goes to Tennessee. Both teams are 5-0 at 1 o'clock. That should be an awesome game. The Packers go to Houston. Both teams lost this week. And I don't put this game in a headline game because it's a, you know, a two playoff contenders. I put this game because you got Aaron Rodgers against Deshaun Watson. If you want to see fireworks and a lot of touchdowns, turn on the Packers-Texans game. That should be very entertaining of a game. The Seahawks go to Arizona. That should be a great game. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson... 
The Cardinals could hand the Seahawks their first L and move into first place. It's a big game for the Cardinals, but we'll see what happens there. The Niners go to New England. We already talked about why that's a huge game. Kyle Shannon versus Belichick. Jimmy G's first game back in New England. A lot to look forward to in that game matchups-wise. Sunday Night Football, Tampa Bay goes to Vegas. John Gruden gets to play Tom Brady. And you know, John Gruden hates Tom Brady. And Raiders fans hate Tom Brady. So you know there is bad blood in that game at home on Sunday night. Just because of that bad blood, that's not a bad game. But the Raiders are coming off of a bye week and a huge win against Kansas City. So that game actually is going to be more interesting than it may then originally when you look at it. You're like, eh, Bucks Raiders, you know, not the fanciest matchup. No, it's a pretty good matchup. Bears at the Rams Monday Night Football. That's a that's a pretty good game. A definitely a lot of playoff implications in that game. I know it's early, but definitely down the road, it's definitely a big game because the Bears are going to be there. They're five and one. The Rams four and two. Big game for those teams. On to how we always end the Forty Nine Away Podcast episodes with our weekly awards for Week Six. You guys got to vote. Let's start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award. The candidates were for this week. Derrick Henry, 22 rushes for 212 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous by King Henry. Julio Jones, the best wide receiver in football, got back to his ways with eight catches, 137 yards, and two TDs. Philip Rivers, big day, 29 for 44, 371, and three touchdowns, and made and had a 21-point comeback to beat the Bengals. Ronald Jones, massive day on the ground for Tampa, 23 rushes for 113 yards and two touchdowns. The winner of this week's Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award, and I'm so happy he won because he deserves it by a landslide, Derrick Henry. 212 yards. This guy's averaging like a 200-yard game once or even twice a year. That is unheard of. Derrick Henry is just an absolute beast. And I said this last year in the playoffs, if I'm Mike Vrabel, literally just do direct snaps to Derrick Henry and you'll you'll win games. He is such a beast. Actually, that's how they won the game against Houston was a direct snap to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's unbelievable, and so were the Titans. On to Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award. The candidates were the Miami Dolphins winning two in a row after a shutout win against the Jets, the Chicago Bears improving to 5-1 and one with Nick Foles at quarterback, the Steelers going to 5-0 and oh after their beatdown against the Browns, or the Titans improving to 5-0 and oh after beating the Houston Texans in overtime. The winner by only one vote for this week's Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award, sticking on the topic of those red-hot Titans. The Tennessee Titans, they definitely deserve this week's award for best team. They were sensational. They came back against Houston. That final drive to tie the game was amazing by Tannehill. The Titans look really good. And I can't wait for that game against Pittsburgh next weekend because the Steelers defense looks really good. And this Titans offense looks really good. That's an exciting matchup for sure in that game. The Bears, pretty impressive, 5-1. and one. And then the Dolphins... Pretty impressive winning two games there as well. So the Cody Pickett L of the Week award, the candidates were the Green Bay Packers getting the doors blown off by the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Vikings falling to 1-5 to the winless Falcons, the Patriots scoring only 12 points and losing to Denver at home, or the Cleveland Browns getting smacked by the Pittsburgh Steelers 38-7. The winner of this week's Cody Pickett L of the Week award is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I can understand this. I mean, 
this was Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Supposed to be an anticipated NFC matchup, possibly a playoff matchup in January. It was supposed to be a competitive, entertaining game. And for the first quarter, the Packers dominated that game. They're winning 10-0, kept Tom Brady off the football field. And for the last three quarters, they got their butts beaten. It was bad. It was horrible. 38 unanswered points and throwing two interceptions on back-to-back drives. Not good. Green Bay has got to fix that for sure. On to the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award. The candidates were the Pittsburgh Steelers starting 5-0. The Minnesota Vikings starting 1-5 after making the postseason last year. Denver beating New England or Tampa beating Green Bay. The winner of this week's Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week actually ended in a tie. The Pittsburgh Steelers 5-0 start and the Minnesota Vikings 1-5 start. I am going to say the winner of this week's out of this tie is the Vikings going 1-5. The Steelers going 5-0 again just doesn't surprise me. I think if they were to end up keep this rolling and they beat Tennessee, then I'd be like, wow, I'm very surprised that they're doing this. But the Steelers 5-0 doesn't surprise me. You have a Super Bowl champion quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care if he's old. You know in this day and age in football... If you have an elite defense and you have a veteran quarterback, that is a recipe for success. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have that because Ben Roethlisberger will take care of the football and that defense will beat you down. Just ask Baker Mayfield. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm not surprised at all that they're 5-0. They're a very good football team and they play very good, fundamentally sound football. The Minnesota Vikings, on the other hand, coached by a very good coach in Mike Zimmer, are supposed to be playing more fundamentally sound football. I know Dalvin Cook was hurt, but come on, 40 points to the Falcons after firing a head coach? The Vikings should have been better. One and five, I don't know. If they're two and three, okay, whatever. Three and two, okay, sure. Even even two and four, where one and five, and you made the playoffs last year. Kirk Cousins is playing like trash. I don't know. That, to me, is a, is a surprise to me, for sure. To the Week 7 Survival Pick of the Week. For this week, if you are still in your survival picks, there were, there were a few tough ones this week. There were a couple ones where I was like, it could go either way. But the one that I'm confident in is the Chargers over the Jaguars. The Chargers have had some really rough luck lately. And honestly, knowing Gardner Minshew, he probably pulls off some late trickery and they probably end up beating the Chargers by a few points, but Justin Herbert is a baller. This Chargers team is good. If Keenan Allen is healthy, they're coming off of a bye. I like the Chargers at home against Jacksonville next week for your survival pick of the week if you are still in your survival leagues. Having said that, that is the end of this week's episode of the 49 Away Podcast, Week 6 Recap. Thank you for listening. And also, don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Until next week, have a good week, faithful.